Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is the BIH Show. On this week's episode, GB are in Riga and preparing to take on the world. We look ahead to the tournament starting this weekend and get some viewpoints as Pete Russell's team have a second goal in the top flight. Pete's on the show discussing why he decided not to travel with the team. Plus, we get the thoughts of Ben Davis on how he's getting ready for this one. Free sports commentator and broadcaster Alan Murphy reveals where he thinks there's points for GB. KHL correspondent Gillian Kemmerer gives us the Russian viewpoint ahead of Saturday's opening game. Plus, we go from Riga to Leeds where we chat with new coach Dave Whistle following his appointment and he tells us what the Knights fans, that's the name, can expect. You're listening to the BIHO. I'm Craig Anderson and welcome to the show. Last year, GB had hoped to continue in the top pool of the World Championships in Lausanne, Switzerland, but the coronavirus pandemic, as it did with thousands of sporting events all over the world, saw it cancelled. A year on, and we're in Latvia, and once again a special competition is set to be played out. On the upside, there's no great escape needed with no relegation battle because the groups below haven't played their tournaments, so it's a free hit for the Brits, and they start with Russia on Saturday, and will go on to face the likes of Sweden, Switzerland and Denmark. Following them every step of the way will be our pals at Free Sports, and behind the mic will be the soothing tones of commentator Aaron Murphy and Paul Aidey. Murph spoke to me earlier in the week, and my first question was to ask that with all the tournaments and playoffs he covers, how does the World Championship compare? Well, this is a highlight, isn't it? I mean, with no real 10-team EIHL season and no playoff final weekend or anything like that, it's certainly one you'd have earmarked because we've missed things like the Spengler Cup, the Champions Hockey League. We've missed the EIHL with the 10 teams. Um yeah, those are things that we were sad not to have. But look, if the CHL wasn't going ahead, there's not much you can do. If the Springer Cup's not going ahead, that's that's for safety concerns. Um, so this this is a nice way to to kind of book in the season. We've had our SHL and our KHL finals, which were you know people enjoyed, but I think everyone had this circled, and it probably it will be more of a highlight because unfortunately the supporters club couldn't travel, the the, the families couldn't travel, the wives whatever, so. The fact of the matter is we're, we're looking forward to bringing the coverage because we know maybe there's more people depending on the coverage than in years past. The, the Barmy Army won't be on site, unfortunately. So, yeah, I, we've had this one circled and we're, we're certainly at free sports and Paul Aiden and I are really looking forward to it. Now, it's a second crack at the top flight for, for GB, and it's fair to say preparations have been far from ideal. You touched on it there. We haven't had a, a regular season to sort of look back on. So they're already at a disadvantage, aren't they? Yes, look, I mean, if you look at the shape the guys would have come into in Slovakia in 2019, um, they, they, they had played a proper season. And this is no disrespect to streaming series or elite series or whatever, or guys going to play in Italy and Germany. But 
the difference is here, guys, it's been fractured. It's been fragmented guys, you know, like the Steelers guys haven't played together all year. They've played together for a few weeks or whatever. So when they, when they arrived at steel arena to play the likes of Canada and the USA, there was a great, you know, sort of bit of camaraderie, but also guys were used to playing with each other and they had had a full proper elite league series. So our elite league season. So they would have been in great hockey shape. They would have been up for that. And, and certainly they had a, big big camp heading into to Slovakia didn't they they had exhibition games against KHL teams all that sort of stuff um so it's definitely a disadvantage and they know that and fair play to the elite series for giving some ice time to guys but it's not it's not nearly where they would have been in 2019 and I think Pete would be the first to tell you that now that being said some of the guys have gone and played in Italy and Germany and stuff like that so they'll be ready but there will probably won't be that cohesion and and you know, there's a lot of young guys who are going to make their debut and we're missing the likes of a farmer, Robert Farmer, for example. So it's definitely a different squad, a different outlook. And there isn't that sort of France game circled at the end of the tournament, isn't there? So it's a different it's a different kind of feeling. But I guess the, the no pressure comes from the fact there's no relegation. Right. So you go out, you play as hard as you can. You try and um, as the tournament goes, grow into the tournament a little bit, try and find a result somewhere and just sort of look ahead to hopefully an elite league season proper come September. The dates are out. So it's definitely, definitely a disadvantage for some of the guys. You mentioned no relegation there. That was going to be something I was going to touch on a little later. We may as well um, do it just now. And of course, it gives the guys a free hit. Guys like Brendan Connolly, who, who weren't involved last time, a chance to get a feel for what it's like to play at that kind of level. But they can't rest on their laurels. They've got to go out there and do the best they can. I think everyone in that room and the coaching staff and even Taft down to the trainers, down to everyone, they won't be thinking of, well, it doesn't matter because we won't be relegated because they're still going to want a result somewhere over the two weeks. But I mean, you have to be realistic too. That, that, that Russian side is a KHL all-star team with seven or eight NHL regulars on the back end, some really good goaltending. And some of those guys up front for Russia just played in the Gagarin cup final. So they're coming off high, super high end hockey, and some of them will be annoyed. The CSKA guys will be uh, a little bit PO'd that they lost in the final. So they're going to want to go there and win a gold medal. They'll be looking around and they'll be looking at Canada's roster and the USA roster. And they'll be thinking, you know, we could win a gold medal here. We're probably the best team on paper, for example. So you're, you're starting off against a team that will be one of the favorites. That's not easy. Um, I don't think anyone in that room will be like, well, it doesn't matter because we won't be relegated. Everyone in that room will want to go out, score goals, make plays lay the body and certainly try and look as the tournament goes to maybe get something done against a Belarus or a Denmark. But certainly the first few days of the tournament are going to be difficult, but I don't think anyone will be thinking we're safe. We're not going to be relegated because you don't want to go out and get embarrassed. As you mentioned, of course, Russia are the the first opposition. It's as tough as you can get really in a group like this. And when you weigh up the group last time, we had Canada, USA, even Finland, who went on to win the competition. This time, Russia, Sweden, Switzerland as well. It's by no means an easier group. No, and it's a different type of hockey. I actually talked about this a little bit with Chris Ellis and Paul Aidy, and it's just like, I kind of part of wishes me they were in that group like they were last time with Canada and the USA. A lot of the elite league, players play a, a North American style of hockey. Um, and I think they, they can match up and skate with the likes of They proved it, right? They, they were in that game against the USA. They lost six, three, but like they scored goals. I talked to some of the USA guys after that game in 2019, they said, look, those guys can play physical. They can skate. It was a fun game. Uh, same with Canada. The difference is here. The Russians can play any way you want and not that they'll run up the score, but if it's, you know, if you're up by six guys, they'll still be trying to make that no-look pass. So it's a different brand of hockey. I just think that's a tough opener. But I guess it's like a Band-Aid, right? You might as well rip it off and get into it. And if you have a good game, a good physical game, and maybe if you frustrate the Russians in the first period, then maybe you go, well, look, we, we played with those guys. Let's not be afraid of them. And I'm sure the guys right now are thinking, like, it doesn't matter who we open up against. And you might as well go right up against the best in the group on paper and, and give them a, be a thorn in the side, so to speak. So I think they're going to have to be physical against Russia and they're going to have to certainly be defensively aware. They're going to have to backtrack and there's going to have to be serious back pressure because that Russian team, I, like I said, I just finished the Gagarin Cup final. Some of the guys up front, you might not be thinking, well, it's not Alex Ovechkin, but some of those guys are all world players. It will be a tough opening day uh, and it will be a tough opening day on free sports. Paul and I will have to get into swing of things real quick here. 
Now, of course, when, when you look at the games, you mentioned that the France game from two years, of course, and it always seemed destined that that was going to be the one that would make or break um, how GB got on in that competition. Do you see a game or games where GB can pick up points in this t- this competition? Well, I think Denmark, looking at some of their roster, isn't as, as complete as it was. I mean, Lars Eller won't be there for Denmark. Um, Belarus, I mean, look... We always knew they were hurtling towards that last day against France, which made it kind of special, especially as they started to grow in the tournament and get three goals against the U.S. or whatever. They had their hiccups along the way as well. Remember, I mean, Denmark uh, put on a bit of a clinic there. Lars Eller was the best player on the ice. So there was an up and down sort of feeling in Kosice, but they, you know, that final day of the tournament was earmarked, wasn't it? It was special. Here, I think, I think they had to play, they had to get better with each game. And I think certainly the coaching staff will be saying, okay, look, we have to shake off. If there is a bad result, we have to shake it off and be ready for the next game. Um, There's a lot of experience in the room. There's a lot of young guys who might be overwhelmed to come out against Russia or Sweden, but they've got to forget about that and just try and, you know, like you said, try and, and, and there won't be any particular game circled, I don't think, but look, they can play against Belarus. I'm sure they'll, they'll be thinking maybe Denmark and Switzerland could be, could be run close. So, I mean, it'll be tough against Sweden and Russia, there's no doubt. And of course, some of the guys involved this year, they've got that experience of Kasitsi two years ago to, to kind of fall back on. Will they be better prepared for what lies ahead here? Yeah, I don't think there'll be any starry-eyed. The veterans will be, I mean, you know, Ben Bounds, I mean, he set that record in the group stage, stopping the likes of Hughes, who was the first overall pick, Stop, stopping Anthony Manta, who now plays for the Capitals and is one of the best power forwards in the world. So, I mean, look, he, he's going to, as Ben goes, maybe so will the results, so to speak. If he has a couple of big games and, you, you know, you're in with a chance, I don't think he'll be intimidated by anyone. Him going away and playing, uh, playing abroad was probably a great move for him this year, although a short and injury played season. But, like, he's going to be used to different scenarios. Um, Richardson coming in for Mosey is a big one. Richie does a magnificent job on the back end. I think some of the misses for me stick out. I mean, Stevie Lee was their best player on the back end sometimes in 2019. Everyone remembers the big goal in overtime against France, but think of the Farmer goal against France. Think of the Farmer goal against Hungary. They're going to miss Robert Farmer. And I think the veterans that are there, the Robert Dowds, Dowd always comes up big when he's healthy. So Dowd will be leaned on, of course. But I think when you look at it, there's a few variables that are interesting to me. Like Farmer not being there, yeah, the big goals. But Farmer, they'll probably have six, seven, eight less power plays in the tournament without Farmer there. Farmer always draws a couple of couple of penalties. Farmer gets under guy's skin, and he did it against the U.S. I think he did it against Finland too. But like Farmer will, someone will cross-check him or slash him, and all of a sudden GB's on the power play. So they're going to miss some of the intangibles of a Robert Farmer, and I think Stevie Lee is a big miss as well. You mentioned Farmer there being the sort of player who gets under people's skins. Brendan Connolly can do that as well. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. He he missed out in 2019. He'll be raring to go here. He needs to stay out of the box. I think Farmer walked that fine line where he would do that. He'd get slashed, and it would just be one guy going to the box. Connolly in elite league history has a way of maybe going to the box as well at the same time. But I think he'll be... Look, he's been he had a good season in the EC or the, the East Coast League. And I think he was really good in the Elite Series from what I heard. So he'll be ready to go. And he will, he will to that degree, maybe slot into that role. And we know he can score big goals. Uh, and it would be neat to see him do that uh, from Riga. And the other um, subject that might be worth discussing is the, the net minding. Now, Ben Bounds, I think for most people would would take that role, but Jackson Whistle performed very well in the Elite Series. Is there even a thought in Pete Russell's head that he might have to choose between who's starting netminder's going to be when you consider you mentioned Bounds had an injury-plagued season and Whistle did as well as he did for the Panthers in the Elite Series? Uh, in my opinion, there's no no decision. It doesn't matter if, if you it doesn't matter what you did in the Elite Series. No, no offense. I mean, that was a 14 thing, and it had, you know, it had I let's be honest, things are going to happen very quickly. Uh, at the IIHF World Championships, probably five and six steps quicker than it was happening in the Elite Series. So Bounds is the guy that has faced that sort of speed and that sort of level of shot um, in the past. And he certainly was in limited time probably facing more speed and accuracy uh, with Graz. But 
I mean, I'm sure Jackson will get a game. There, there, it's a short, it's a short tournament, and there's a lot packed in. And certainly, Ben, he didn't have a full season, but maybe because he's well rested, he'll be able to carry the mail. But in my opinion, your number one as an underdog or like one of the lower ranked teams, your number one goalie has to has to to be in for those big moments. Jackson had a good uh, elite series, from what I hear, and I'm sure he will play. But I think, like when you get to this level of hockey. And it's the same whether it's the NHL playoffs, the KHL playoffs. Your number one guy has to be your number one guy. You play different in front of your number one guy. There's a little bit more confidence. Um, and I think Ben will have to fill that role again. Free sports commentator Alan Murphy joining us, looking ahead to the World Championships in Riga. Coming up, we hear from Pete Russell and Ben Davis. Gillian Kemmerer gives the Russian perspective. And we talk to new Leeds Knights coach Dave Whistle, still to come on the BIHO. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the BIHO. The players all travelled to Riga on Sunday, ahead of the tournament, of course, and had to spend their first 36 hours in isolation as per the COVID guidelines in the city. With time on their hands, not much happening. Ice Hockey UK media officer Chris Ellis, a dear friend of the show, decided to have a chat with 2019 hero Ben Davis about the competition and his experience so far. And he put to Ben that after isolating in their hotel room on arrival in Riga, they just can't wait to hit the ice. Absolutely. I know we've had a, a tough, Stuff we got to now back in Coventry and, and we've worked on a lot of stuff and uh, yeah it's just about familiarising ourselves with the the, the rink and uh, everything like that and hopefully hopefully getting things going in a positive way But just touching again on the isolation one final question they're certainly looking after everyone well we were just laughing beforehand that you know that the food's basically like, like a banquet that you know could probably last ourselves a week let alone in sort of 36-48 hours Yeah I know we're we waited maybe 10 minutes after the isolation and had the knock on the door and all, all the foods outside, two bags, thinking they'd given me like extra people's food to come in, spread it all out. Yeah, it was it was a lot of food. It took me a few hours to, to finish. I, I sent a, a picture in my family chat and uh, it was it was really, really good food. So uh, we had the same for breakfast and uh, yeah, struggling to eat it all. I know we've been here before in 2019, but I don't know about you. On, on arrival here, coming off the the plane, you know, the, the bus all branded in GB colours with the GB shirt and the the police escort from the from the airport to the to the rink. It just shows where GB have come in a in a short space of time, doesn't it? That that that's now happening and GB are at this, this top level tournament. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of the teams are. In this, in at this level, are doing the same thing, and and for us to to have the best opportunity to to give our our best showing and and hopefully stay in this group as long as possible, um, we need to do the same thing. And uh, I think we're learning year after year off off all these teams. So um, yeah, GB as a nation, we're we're taking strides in the right direction. That's for sure. What do you expect from, from this year's tournament? Obviously, the, the pressure isn't on in the sense of there's no relegation. But I'm, I'm guessing you as a, as a squad, you still want to put on a, a good show, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah, um, Yeah. The, everyone's got fond memories of uh, back in Slovakia now. And uh, I, I think we all just want to make some more memories here this year. Um, yeah, it's going to be a little bit different with no fans uh, and, and being locked in a hotel a little bit more than last time but this is a very very high standard of hockey and we're all going to be as switched on as possible moving into the first game and, and as soon as the games and, and the hockey starts it's um, pretty much business as usual and um, everyone you talk to any anyone within the, the national team here and we're all um, beyond proud to, to put the jersey on so um, yeah it's just uh, a, a, a real good honour to to get there and um, yeah, just excited to get going now. I'm struggling to get my words out, but uh, yeah, just just excited to get going and start playing hockey and, and do what we came here to do, really. So, Just one final question. You kind of touched on it there, but, but no fans. That's going to be strange because, you know, a massive part of this rise for GB has been the backing of the fans, that, that never stop noise and, and the... Everything about the support that the fans give it, it's so strange and going to be so sad just to not have them in, in the sands, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, massively. Like, since I've played with GB, um, the supporters have, have come in, in droves and there's been a, a massive amount. And uh, 
it's just good to see from whether you know the people from from club level or not. Everyone comes over and is a big family with a with a national team, and it was the same in Slovakia, like you touched on just then, and and even the whole atmosphere of the fan zones and everything like that. My family were lucky enough to come out and and experience that in Slovakia, and and obviously that's not going to be the case this time. It's going to be different for everyone, but um, hopefully we have everyone back in the UK supporting us and. Uh, yeah, we definitely need that moving forward. Ben Davis chatting to Ice Hockey UK's Chris Ellis. Now, we've re-released our podcast, Ben Davis, the hero of Kasitsa, looking back in that game with France from two years ago, so check it out now. One man who sadly won't be going, as you may have read, is the head coach, Pete Russell, who only returned from Freiburg last week and was looking at the possibility of going away again after only two days at home, having been away from his family for nine long months. Chris chatted to him about his brave decision and he went into great detail to explain why and how he'd still be involved. I was in Germany, obviously, everybody knows. And then um, the season was just got delayed, then it was extended, and then we had a crazy playoff run. And so we finished uh, last Wednesday, I think it was. Um, and then we Taft was there with me, so we drove back. We left in a car straight away and drove back through the night. Um, and then I came home, and I, my, my wife was very supportive of it. But when I spoke to my daughter, um, nine months is a long time away from your wife and daughter. Um, and I didn't want to make a decision until I came home. I don't think it's a decision you should make over the phone. So when I came home and I spoke, just kind of hanging my daughter a little bit and everything, and you know, it kind of became transparent that she didn't want me to go away again after two days. I think to come back after nine months and leave two days later is, is pretty heartless. Um, I think I've missed a lot of things over the I missed my daughter's cleft palate operation and uh, when GB20's coach, and then my wife had breast cancer, and I came to the last tournament and left for two days in between to go to the operation, and they backed me all the way. So I think. The right thing to do this time was to um, just make myself unavailable. And uh, I spoke to Andy Buxton, Andy French, and I spoke to the new the new head of Ice Hockey UK, and they were very supportive of it. They understood the situation. Um, they never put any pressure onto me. They understood I've been away for so long. And um, and then uh, I think they uh, something like compassionate leave or something I had to ask for. Um, Obviously, it's not a decision I wanted to make. Um, GB's been a lot to me the last 18 years of my life. Do you know, and uh, you know, the senior team's now five, six years. And to the journey we came to get where we are, you don't want to miss out on that. Do you know, there's probably in the last hundred years, I think we've been there twice. And when you think about it, the team before had, I think, three British players on it. So when you think about it in the space of a hundred years, there's probably 30 British people been involved in it. Do you know, so it's something special. Um, but um, I think it was time for me to be a man and a dad for once and put other people first. Very, very touching words, Pete. Um, just you're going to be very much a part of this trip, though. You've already been putting messages in the WhatsApp group. You've had plenty of Zooms with the players while they're at camp in Coventry. That's going to continue, isn't it? You're going to still be leading the programme, obviously, from there with with Adam and, and Corey and you in here. You're still going to be very much involved, though, aren't you? Yeah, but I think it's important to know that I mean, Adam and Corey are top coaches. I think they're better coaches than me, to be honest with you. Do you know what I mean? Corey's very technical. Adam's one of the best coaches, young coaches has come out of it lately. You know, he's been coach of the year. Corey's been coach of the year in the UK and Germany. Like, I'm, I'm just a small part of it, Chris. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, so it's not really, I don't think it's a big issue, do you know, for them. Um, but yeah, anything they need, of course, already when I was in Germany, I never knew when I'd be coming back because we, we kind of this crazy playoff run. We went behind each time and then we came back. So even in Tuesday or Wednesday, the last game, we still never knew. It had been taken out of my hands then totally if we went through to the final. We lost in the semi-final with the last game of the series. Um, I was still involved. We're talking to each other. They wanted to know how I wanted the team to play. We're going to continue the same way. And of course we are because I think the biggest strength in the GB programme now is something Andy Buxton has helped create and, uh, massively with myself and the coaches that's come through the programme as the foundations, the strength and, and the culture now. And they have that. So they just got to carry that forward and they've got to make decisions on their own two feet and they're more than capable of that. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's obvious. Um, the top, top coaches. So I think uh, anything they want from me, for sure. Do you know what I mean? But they're behind the bench. They've got to make the decisions for what's best for the team, what they think is the best. And uh, 
and I have no doubt they'll do that. GB head coach Pete Russell speaking to Chris Ellis of Ice Hockey UK and a big thanks to Chris and Ice Hockey UK for use of those interviews. Still to come in this week's show, we find out what the Russians are all about when we talk to KHL correspondent Gillian Kemmerer and get the lowdown on GB's first opponents on Saturday. And Dave Whistle, new coach of Leeds Knights, discusses his appointment with the National League side. It's all coming after this. This is the BIH Show. Welcome back. On Saturday, GB will open their World Championship campaign with Russia, a team laden with stars from the KHL and NHL, and probably the toughest start Pete Russell's side could have in this competition. So, to get an idea of what the GB guys can expect and the task that awaits them, I called up KHL correspondent Gillian Kemmerer to get the latest on what's going on from their perspective, and I started by asking Gillian what preparation has been like for them. Despite the fact that we're in the midst of a pandemic, I would say that Russia's preparation was really business as usual. Uh, the team gathered in Novogorsk, which is a city that's not too far outside of Moscow, uh, which is really the athlete city of Russia. Many national teams train there. Of course, they were in a bubble protocol. I don't really know what there is to take advantage of in Novogorsk beyond the uh, the track fields and the uh, the tennis courts, which these guys were on. But other than that, they were not really allowed to go beyond that. They were doing ice sessions a couple of times a day, plus gym on a four-day rotation, so four days on, one day off, all pretty standard. And then they went ahead and played a a series of friendly matches, two against Team Belarus, and then they traveled to Switzerland and played against the Swiss national team twice. Most recently, they completed the last leg of the Euro Hockey Tour, which is a tournament that goes on all year, and they were in Prague, the Czech Republic, and the Russian national team struggled there. In fact, they ended the Euro Hockey Tour uh, as the clear winner by a landslide on aggregate, but they lost their last game, uh, and it really started to draw attention to some of the issues that Russia will have to focus on going into the World Championships, namely that their goaltending leaves a bit to be desired. Now, that being said, um, we still have, or we had at the beginning of their bubble training, KHL playoffs going on, so players were joining the team late, and the NHLers have only just arrived, uh, and many of them, most of them, were not playing uh, for the Euro Hockey Tour except for Mikhail Grigorenka. Um, so when you're looking at that, at that roster, is going to change significantly, but it definitely drew some attention to the fact that there's a, a bit of a hole in Russia's net. Now, I was looking, they got a bronze medal in Slovakia two years ago. They haven't won the competition since 2014. So are they going all out to try and win it this year? Unfortunately, I think that there's uh, an issue with availability of Russia's top brass. So whether we're looking at goaltending, as I mentioned, you know, I think if Igor Shostyorkin had been made available from the New York Rangers, we might have been looking at a slightly different story, um, but he was not made available. And he and Alexander Georgiev, who is Russian-Bulgarian, both suffered late season injuries in New York. So it's unsurprising to me uh, that they were not made available for Worlds. Uh, But without a a really stud goaltender, it's going to be interesting to see how Russia fares at Worlds. They always, always, always make a strong showing of it. They are not the type of country that takes national team play lightly. It's um, a great deal of pride. They're playing without their anthem, without their jersey, without their flag. So this is, of course, another opportunity like the Olympics in 2018 to say we know in our hearts who we're playing for. That being said, I think that this is a more open world championship than in previous years, whether you're looking at the U.S., Canada. I mean, we're not seeing some of the top brass because they're still playing in the NHL playoffs, which makes it maybe a more interesting tournament in a sense. We're going to see some interesting other teams rising up. I mean, I'm really impressed with the depth of the Czech Republic, and and they played very well against Russia on the last leg of the Euro Hockey Tour. So I think there's going to be just a, a slightly more open field, but Russia certainly has some great talent, particularly on their blue line. So I expect them to to go full force. Whether or not it will be enough, I, I can't really say just yet. Now, it's important to mention the fact that Russia's first game is actually against the Czech Republic on Friday before they, they play Team GB on Saturday. So you'll really get a better idea of what GB can expect in that first game, won't we? Yes, it's a perfect benchmark game to keep an eye on because Russia faced the Czech Republic just a few days ago, but they were missing the vast majority of their NHL talent. When you have an issue with goaltending, and, and not to say that these goaltenders are, are bottom flight goaltenders, they're not, but they're not as strong as a Shostyorkin, a Georgiev, and, and they certainly haven't been um, tested in, in NHL play. 
when you have that issue, having a strong blue line is going to make all the difference. And Russia's blue line is really what got bolstered by NHL talent. So when we see these guys start to filter in and we face the Czech Republic once again, it'll be really interesting to keep an eye on on how their fate changes potentially. Um, and I think that that game is going to be an excellent game to watch if you're Great Britain to get an, a better understanding of how competitive Russia will be at Worlds versus how competitive they were at the last leg of the Euro Hockey Tour. Are you able to give me an idea of just how the GB team is being viewed from from the Russian quarters? Have they, have they been able to to get an idea of, of of what they're up against? Given that GB, a lot of the players haven't played this season. There hasn't been a, a full regular season as we've seen um, among the other teams as well. This is a tough world championship to predict. And I think that for Great Britain, like many other teams, the roster either, as you said, hasn't played or looks different than what it might have in other years, depending on on the current hockey schedules. But I was talking with Daniel Bachner, who was the assistant coach of Ska St. Petersburg. Ska and the Russian national team are very closely linked, and he's the development coach for both the Russian Hockey Federation and St. Petersburg. And and he's been really fundamental in bringing up some of the young Russian talent that will appear at Worlds and, and has appeared at world juniors and and in khl play and he was saying to me that when you have teams that make it to the top division no matter what you have to take them seriously he's like i can't speak for the players and how they're preparing themselves mentally but you show respect to every opponent you face and great britain is certainly uh no exception and whether they're looking at the czech republic where they're facing a lot of players that are currently in the khl so they have a, a little bit of a better sense of what they're up against Regardless, especially when you're walking into an unknown situation, this is a team that's going to take every opponent very seriously and and Great Britain certainly included in that. So can you give us an idea of what sort of coach Valerie Bragan is, the the head coach, if I've pronounced his name right, I apologise if I haven't, but what, what kind of character is he? So Bragan was the head coach of Ska St. Petersburg all season. And as I mentioned, the Ska St. Petersburg leadership coaching bench is often a carbon copy of the Russian national teams. So when you look at this roster, Bragan has had a huge percentage of this roster on his team in the KHL this season. He's also you know, seen a number of these players pass through the KHL. Also, he has a strong familiarity and chemistry, not only uh, with the coaching staff and management of the Russian Hockey Federation, but also with the players that are currently uh, feeding this Russian national team roster. He's an interesting coach. He does balance offense and defense a bit more than maybe your traditional hardliner, super systematically defensive Russian coach. But that being said, there is a lot of stress on defense. And given that he's going to have a nice blue line to work with, given that he's worried about potentially the goaltending situation going into Worlds, I think we can expect to see that in full play. Um, But it is interesting that he has this relationship with so many of the players on the team. You know, I think back to, and this is a a, not a hockey reference, but the 2010 World Cup when we looked at the Spanish national team that was so heavily fed by FC Barcelona and Real Madrid. In a similar way, the vast majority of this roster either is Red Army, say a Ska Moscow, or Ska St. Petersburg, or at least passed through one of those organizations at one time. So you are seeing a heavy draw from the same two teams. And I think that that aids in the transition because national teams are like patchwork quilts. You're bringing guys over from all different places, but a lot of these guys have played together and Brogdon has led many of them. Which maybe gives me the answer to my next question. I noticed that um, was it Avangard Omsk, they won the Gagarin Cup recently. Only one of their players is involved in the squad, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, Sergei Tolchinsky, who happens to be the playoff MVP, um, is going to be appearing for Team Russia. A number of Avangard's players are playing on other teams. For example, if you look at uh, the last leg of the Euro Hockey Tour, the Czech Republic, Shimi Hrubek was in net. He posted a shutout against Team Russia. He was absolutely phenomenal uh, all season when he went over to Avangard. He went over pretty early and then went through this wonderful kind of run through the Gagarin Cup Championship. So you will see other Avangard players on other squads but yes for team russia you've only got the mvp (laughs) now what can gb expect when they face russia on saturday it's got to be a very strong team i think that goes without saying you look at the the quality um throughout the roster it's quite frightening i suppose if you're if you're looking at it as an outsider as i am so what can gb expect 
Brogan preaches good puck control, good puck management. Um, I suspect with the goaltending situation in play, he is going to be and, and resorting back to his traditional stance, which is to put a bit more heavy focus on defense. And I think that that Russia's blue line really is a, a wonderfully well-stacked uh, group of talents, whether we're looking at Vladislav Gavrikov or Nikita Zadorov, Ivan Provorov. These are all guys coming off of NHL seasons, Artem Zub from Ottawa as well. So I think that defense will be something that Russia um, always puts a heavy emphasis on, especially in regular season KHL play, but it will really be important this time. Um, When we look at the firepower up front, there's one name that I think in KHL terms is often brought up as a very elite sniper, but when we're talking in the global community, he's not discussed as often, and that's Mikhail Grigarenka. He was fundamental to Red Army's Gagarin Cup championship back in 2019. He's coming uh, out of the Columbus Blue Jackets organization where he spent the season, but he's back and he's reunited with several players that he played with in Moscow. So I expect him to be, you know, obviously within the top six. I think Vladislav Kamenov, um, most recently with the Colorado avalanche in the NHL, but then moved to Ska St. Petersburg again under Valerie Bragan, another very important talent. Um, and I think that these are some of the guys along with Maxime uh, Shalunov of Tsayaska who could drive scoring for this Russian national team. So I think that Russia doesn't have, you know, Alexander Ovechkin or Tiemi Panarin, but they do have some good talents that maybe are not as familiar to the international fan base, but they are good snipers. They have chemistry with one another. Uh, and I'm just really curious to see how once we we bolster defense, how that impacts the goaltending situation. You know, if we put a little bit less pressure on them, what will that look like? You know, and Ivan Fedotov, for example, who is one of the netminders for Team Russia, just came off of a, a decent season with Tractor Chelyabinsk and actually has gone to Seyaska, to Red Army, to Moscow for next season. So he would be considered a top goaltending talent if that's where he's migrating. So I'll I'll be very curious to see how that all plays out. Now one final thing to ask you about, Gillian. We, we spoke about this when we were messaging to set this up regarding the, the proxy anthem. Um, now, I think I know what it's going to be, but let, let's bring that up. What is, what is the proxy anthem for the Russians at this competition? Right. So as continued fallout from the doping scandal, the Russians will be playing piano concerto number one in B flat minor. It's Uh, a Tchaikovsky classic. It's absolutely (laughs) beautiful. Interestingly, it was not the Russians first choice. Um, They wanted a World War II ballad Katusha, which if you've ever heard uh, a Russian player score in the NHL, I guarantee an organist has played it for you. It's a very um, well-recognized song. I think that it was just maybe too heavily connected to Russia, not far enough of a departure from a national anthem, I suppose. But, you know, this Tchaikovsky piece, it it has a really rich history. Um, Originally, when Tchaikovsky played it for his intended pianist, he didn't want to play it. He didn't like it. He had to really fight to get that song some airtime. Finally, it became one of the most important and recognizable pieces in his canon. It draws heavily from um, traditional regional folk music. So in a way, it has this very deeply... uh, Russian storyline that backs it. And so to me, it's actually a very befitting choice for this team. Um, but when we get to hear it, if we get to hear it, you know, I think it's going to be a treat. It's a beautiful piece if we if we can't have the anthem. And of course, it's been used in other events already. I read online it was, it's been used at the World Figure Skating Championships, for example. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it, it has been. And I think that you know, for a Russian person, many, many Russians are very deeply connected with their culture and just the opening chords of that song immediately elicit a response. It's very, very well recognized. So I do think that it's special. One other funny thing about that song is that Van Clyburn played it at the Tchaikovsky piano competition at the height of the Cold War, and he won the competition on it. Uh, and interestingly enough, um, Nikita Khrushchev had to sign off on Van Clyburn's win, because how can an American come to the Tchaikovsky piano competition at the height of the Cold War and play Tchaikovsky? And he really melted a lot of hearts, I think, in Russia with that. And, and he was someone who was a great proponent of, of seeing through politics and, and connecting to people. So there's also another beautiful, I think, little motif that plays along with every time that song is played. And, and I just, I, I love it as the choice and, and I'll be really eager to hear it at the world championships. There we go. Tchaikovsky's Piano Concerto Number 1. Don't say we don't do culture on the BIH. <laughs> Gillian, thank you so much for your time. Where can people follow you on Twitter if they want to get a Russian perspective on the championships? Well, thank you so much. Uh, my Twitter handle is Gillian Kemmerer. Gillian spelled the British way, G-I-L-L-I-A-N, because my parents are great Anglophiles, and Kemmerer, K-E-M-M-E-R-E-R. Or on Instagram, I post a lot of Soviet hockey history at Caviar Diplomat.
That was KHL correspondent Gillian Kemmerer joining me on the BIHO. After the break, Leeds Knights new coach Dave Whistle tells us why he's returning to the UK since his last job here in 2014 and discusses his son Jackson, who's with the GB team in Riga. Don't go away. Welcome back to the BIHO. It's all change at Leeds with a new owner in Steve Nell and dropping the name Chiefs for Knights, which is how they were known. They also have a new coach in place and it's something of a well-known face in UK ice hockey circles as Dave Whistle, former head coach at Belfast Giants, Cardiff Devils and Sheffield Steelers, is coming back to these shores to take on the National League side. I caught up with them earlier this week, but that was before we knew of the new name and I began by asking why Leeds Knights was the right fit for him to return to the UK. Well, it was the right fit, number one. It was timing. Uh, the timing came at the right time. Um, I was looking for something else. Um, just luck out of the blue. I think Steve phoned my owner, Andy Oaks, in uh, Penticton, and they worked together. And he told Steve that, that I might be looking to go because I've already told him that. And then Steve gave me a call and asked me about things, and I said, yes, I'd be definitely interested and I'm glad he phoned because uh, I didn't know anybody was looking at putting in a team in Leeds again. I knew there was a team there, but since COVID, I haven't really followed that that much. And up until now, um, I've been doing the phoning where Steve phoned me and seen if I was interested. And I certainly was. And things have taken off from there. Now, you're not back in the UK at the moment. I think you're still working uh, in Canada. So if you can tell us exactly what you're doing at the moment and how you're going to recruit the team in the meantime before you can come over. Well, right now I'm working as a head coach in a hockey academy for elite players from 13 to 17. And I have been doing that off and on for about eight or nine years. Um, So I've really enjoyed my time here. But maybe in the last year or two, I started looking for something else again in the hockey world. And lucky enough, like I said earlier, Steve got a hold of me. And I know we had a lot of good candidates. So we went through the whole interview process, took a couple of weeks. And I'm super happy I'm getting this opportunity from Steve. And uh, hopefully I can make the most of it. I, I think Steve has been a super help right now. We've gone over players' names. Um, some of them I don't know. Some I do. And uh, Steve has been sort of ranking them through the... I know we do have some signs. I'm not sure the exact amount right now, but I'm looking forward to going through the player roster with them. I have two boys that do play over there. They know probably most of the kids that we've already signed. And uh, I know they've said to me that they would be happy having all those on their team. So I know Steve knows what he's doing. He's been doing it for a long time. He's had a winning franchise for a long time. So I'm going to go with his judgment on most of these calls. Now, we all remember you as a head coach with Belfast Giants, Cardiff Devils and the Sheffield Steelers in the past. So does this present a different challenge completely for you? It does. It does for sure. Um, On those teams, we have a lot of older imports who have played at high levels in North America and throughout Europe. And there's definitely not as much teaching. I think uh, the elite league's more about managing players, managing their roles, learning how to, um, you know, team first in the sense where they come over, they might have been scorers on their all their teams, and, you know, you have to fill a role. And that's pretty much management skills more than actually coaching skills, where coming into the uh, NIHL, there's going to be a lot more teaching, and I really enjoy that side of things, and that's what I have been doing for about eight or nine years. I think I've learned to be a, a good, solid coach in both aspects of the game. Um, we do a lot of breaking down stuff here. We have kids here from uh, 10 months, right from September, right till the end of June. You're on the ice every day, and you've learned how to break things down and learned different power play options, learned a lot of stuff in areas small area games and I think that's really really helped me as a coach I went right into coaching after playing and thank goodness there wasn't a lot of teaching but uh, I think my strengths have been always you know being a good manager of players being a good manager of people I have good listening skills uh, I know what players want to do I meet with them right at the beginning of the year and I try to adapt a little bit differently to every single player. And I think that's a positive strength in any team sport.
Okay, so it's been seven years since you coached a, a team here in the UK. You were previously with the Cardiff Devils. Have you missed that level of involvement? Um, yeah, I, I, I've missed that level. Being here, the kids are only up to 17 years old. So sometimes it gets old. I'm like a father to them instead of a coach. So, you know what, I've enjoyed that side of things. But over the last two years, I've been really looking and um, just putting some feelers out that I'd love to come back to the UK and get into the co- uh, coaching role, general manager role, running a team. Um, I'd really enjoy helping out junior development. So when all those things came up with Steve, it was the right time and the right place to try to make a move. And I'm really looking forward to getting to Leeds and really get started on the hockey club. Now, going back to your time in Cardiff, you were there in 2014. There was a lot going on off the ice. I think that's been well documented. What are your reflections over that brief time back with the Devils? I really enjoyed being in Cardiff. Uh, Very great city. A lot of great fans. The fans are very knowledgeable there. They've had a lot of winning teams. And I really enjoyed my time there. Uh, I went back prior to them getting the new ice arena. And then a new ownership group came in. So, um, you know, uh, it wasn't including me. So I went back home and uh, started working in the hockey academy. And uh, I loved my time. I think I've learned a lot by being here eight or nine years. I've learned a lot of new coaching skills. And that's only going to help me. Uh, down the road and in the future here and the future's only a few months away so I'm really looking forward to getting it going over there again in Leeds and we want to put a good product on the ice so it starts right now trying to get the right players to fit the right roles that we want to play. So what can the fans at Leeds expect from a Dave Whistle team? You've made a few signings already as you've already mentioned I think you've got a few more that are yet to be announced but what can the fans expect? I think we can expect an aggressive team. And an aggressive, I don't mean always physical. I meant always on the puck. If there's a loose puck, we want to be on it. If we're penalty killing, we want them to move the puck. We want to create our own opportunities, both offensively and defensively. I don't really like sitting back and waiting for them to make a mistake. I want to create mistakes by hard work and... You know, I, I don't sit back and try to win a game one nothing. You know, it's different in certain games maybe. But overall, we want to be an aggressive forechecking team. We want to shoot the puck a lot at the net. We want to crash the net. And I think that's the way we should be playing. I think it's fun for the players to play like that. So they play a little bit better. They come to the rink excitedly doing that. You know, sometimes I've been on teams before where you have a guy standing right on the blue line waiting just in case they get the puck. I don't really enjoy that style. And We're going to be aggressive. We're going to try to score goals, and hopefully we're going to be an exciting team to watch. Now, well, we've got you. Your son Jackson, of course, is away with the GB team, preparing for the World Championships. You're a former player yourself, so how proud are you at his development over the years? Yeah, very proud. Um, you know, he had a really good junior career in Kelowna. They lost in the overtime in the Memorial Cup final after winning the Western Hockey League. And his 20-year-old year, he had two operations on his hips, and they were bad operations, so they had to kind of rebuild both hips. So he was kind of behind the eight ball for a few years there a little bit. And now he's telling me that his hips are feeling a lot better. He's playing a lot better. He's got more confidence in playing. Um, I hope Great Britain does very well in the World Championships. It looks like they're going to be in a tough group. And I see a couple players didn't join the team this year that uh, were strong players. So give some younger guys an opportunity to be there, make some uh, time with the team, and you know just see the level of play with it. That's at the April World Championships. Now Ben Bounce is expected to be the first pick when uh, the game start this weekend. But after Jackson's elite elite series performances, has he maybe asked the question of the GB coaches that he should be at least considered for a start? I think he would. Uh, I think he deserves a start. I think he deserved a start before, too. I, I, um, I think that uh, that whole tournament is uh, geared towards maybe one or two games for Great Britain to really have a good opportunity of staying in the game or winning the game. And I think the other ones, I think you have to manage that in the sense where if Ben is going to be the number one, 
I think you have to kind of get him into those games that you need to win. And some of the other ones, you would want Jackson playing in there, one, to give him some confidence, but two, to give Ben a little break. I know uh, two years ago, they had a lot of shots. Um, You know, it's difficult to go into games every game knowing that you're going to be on the defensive side of things. So, you know, and he played great the last World Champions championships. So uh, I don't expect any different from him. He's been a great goalie since I've known him. I actually signed him into Cardiff, and uh, he's done well in Cardiff every year. I don't know. I know he played somewhere else in Europe this year. I'm not sure where. But I'm looking forward to watching some of the games, and hopefully Jackson does get in a couple of them as a starter. And uh, I hope they do well, and I hope they uh, win a game. New Leeds Knights coach Dave Whistle, my final guest on the BIH show this week. Before we go, we want to tell you about some new sponsorship opportunities with British Ice Hockey, and we'd love to hear from you if you'd be interested in coming on board with us. For further information, please drop us an email at news at britishicehockey.co.uk, and among other things, you could hear your company's name on the BIH show. How cool would that be? We also want to send our best wishes and good luck to Pete Russell, Corey Nielsen and Adam Keefe in Riga as they head into the World Championships and we'll bring you the news and reaction to the games on the website britishicehockey.co.uk Also don't forget to like our Facebook page follow us on Twitter at Brit Ice Hockey or follow me at BIH Craig and we're also on Instagram too on at British Ice Hockey The BIH Show is part of the Sports Social Network, the UK's first dedicated sports podcast network. Find the next show you'll love or join the team at www.sport-social.co.uk. My thanks this week to Aaron Murphy, Gillian Cameron and Dave Whistle for coming on the show. Also thanks to Pete Russell, Ben Davis, Chris Ellis and Ice Hockey UK for their assistance this week. And finally, to you for listening. Join us next week for another new episode as we look back on the first week of the World Championships in Riga. And I'll talk to you then. Take care of yourself and I'll be back soon. Bye for now. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.